0: Hello, this is Marc Cosé, Mark, Mark Ian, James, James, Mel, Zach. This is David. terrier this is PSG talking.
1: This is podcast solo PSG on Only.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of PSG Talking. I'm your host, Ed, and on today's show, I decided to forego the usual panel discussion with our contributors and go straight to one of the best sources for PSG information, Jonathan Johnson. Jonathan recently joined CBS Sports to cover the Champions League, and I know I'm not alone in saying the coverage has been outstanding. JJ, I know you're in lockdown in Paris, but how are you holding up otherwise? Yeah, very
1: well. Thanks. Obviously, very happy with the with the move. Excited to join uh, such a vibrant new project with uh, with CBS Sports. Uh, great to have a new lease of life with the uh, written content, video bits and pieces, but also the the podcast. Key yes. It's been a great opening couple of weeks with the guys. Really enjoying it. And anyone who's not a subscriber already, uh, join in the fun. You know, we do chat PSG quite often. So hopefully, it uh, it satisfies everyone's needs.
0: Um, it's it's fantastic podcast and your articles. We'll, we'll get into your latest one here in a bit. Um, the coverage has been great. The Galazzo channel with all the games going on at once. I mean, the coverage has been top notch. So we are so excited. You've been on the show before. Um, you're so knowledgeable about PSG and we're glad that you're a part of the, the CBS sports uh, team over there. So excellent work over there. Um, but, you know, we don't have you for too long. You're a very busy man. So let's just jump right into the topics. Um, I saw your tweet um, right before we started recording about uh, PSG's injury situation. So I was hoping that you could go over that. What, what's the latest, especially with Neymar? Um, and how serious is it with you know, two Champions League matches against Leipzig coming up? Um, how much in danger is this team because of injuries for potentially not qualifying for the knockout stage?
1: Okay, so first things first with Neymar, based on what? Tuchel has said and the information that I've heard since the Champions League match against uh, Istanbul, Bessex here. Neymar won't be featuring for PSG uh, between now and the international break. So that covers uh, Nantes at the weekend, Leipzig away next week uh, and Rennes at home in uh, Ligue 1. You know, obviously with the way that Rennes have been going in Ligue 1, that's a a fairly big clash, but one that PSG also can probably handle without him. Uh, But when you factor in the Probable absences, uh, at least for a couple of those matches, of Marco Verratti, uh, Leandro Paredes, Mauro Icardi. Uh, I'm told that Icardi should be back in training at the beginning of next week, so he's an outside shot at um, at the the Leipzig match. But somebody like Julian Draxler is now out for at least a month, so he is not going to be available for the foreseeable future, probably even after the international break as well.
0: Yeah, it's not easy for Tuchel. (laughs) We'll get into his lineup decisions later, but, I mean, he's really had to move a lot of people around. And, you know, Nagelsmann uh, for Leipzig, he's already kind of warning PSG that he's planning to make several changes. And, you know, Tuchel did get the better of him in the semifinals last year, but that's a team with a lot of really young players that really have not a whole lot to lose. And I'm really worried about those two games. And, you know, if we didn't get that win over Istanbul, you know, the other day, I think not qualifying and dropping down into the Europa League would be a very real possibility, don't you think?
1: Yeah, obviously that was a threat. But I think something that probably tempers those fears now uh, is the way that Leipzig were dismantled by United side that I think PSG probably could have beaten, I mean, at least drawn with, had they performed a bit better in the opening match. I think that is where the, the real disappointment lies. It was a poor performance at home uh, against United. It didn't have to be that bad. Uh, You know, luckily, the response was there ultimately uh, against uh, Basseks here. Mm -hmm. But PSG will know that they need to play much better than they did in Turkey uh, against a team of Leipzig's quality. But also, the the United defeat for Leipzig shows PSG, you know, that they can be gotten at there, uh, you know, and Nagelsmann can be outdone tactically, uh, you know, and I think that'll boost PSG coming into that one because, uh, you know, the players, Tuchel will we'll look back to what happened a couple of months ago and the way that PSG swept Leipzig aside, uh, you know, with a really, really good performance, mm-hmm. arguably the, the best one Absolutely. of that uh, Champions League run in Lisbon. Uh, and I think they'll feel that they can get the job done or at least come away from Leipzig with a draw. Because I think if you look at the, the two matches uh, coming up, if you draw away at Leipzig and then win at home, you know that still puts PSG in a good uh, position to make it out of the group. It just depends on how highly you value uh, finishing top of the Champions League group. I mean, as we've seen with uh, with the way the football is at the moment and all of the injury problems and form issues that uh, the the COVID crisis has has produced or has brought to light, I'm not really sure there is actually as much of an advantage if you finish top of your champions league group in a season like this just as long as you get out of the group stage and into the latter stages uh you know then i think it's just the the luck of the draw
0: yeah other than the the traveling there's really not a home field advantage with with the coronavirus spiking i can't imagine they're going to let a lot of fans into the stadium so there's really no home field advantage so and we've seen in the past finishing top of the group can still land you real madrid so Uh, there's just not a whole lot. So like you said, I just hope we get to the the knockout stage. I mean, Europa League would just be a nightmare. So hopefully, and as we've seen with Manchester United, I mean, they they just beat Leipzig 5-0. They they don't seem to be slowing down, and going to Manchester is going to be tough. So those Leipzig games, I mean, you've got to get maximum points uh, from those two games. Yeah, ideally,
1: but like I said, I think a draw away at Leipzig and a win at home would would not be the worst scenario. Uh, And then obviously that means... Going to uh, Old Trafford, getting a good result, uh, you know, will probably secure PSG a place in the in the latter stages. So uh, I I think it's in their advantage that they don't play United until quite. Uh, quite late in the in the group stage, or they don't go away at least uh, until later on in the group stage. So, like you said, you know this this double header against Leipzig is uh, is key. But for me, I think uh, if they can avoid defeat in Germany, then it puts them in a
0: strong position to make it out of the group. Yeah, we've definitely have enough drama going on. We don't need a, a Europa League run to uh, add to that. So, I want to talk to you about the offense. It's obviously struggling, and uh, quite frankly, and I don't know how you feel about this, but. I find the team a little bit boring to watch, which is kind of crazy when you consider you had Neymar in the lineup and you've got Mbappe. There's just nothing interesting going forward with this team. It's very predictable, and opponents know that, and that's why they're able to stop them even if they're undermanned. So, you know, without Neymar, this team is obviously going to continue to struggle offensively. I mean, he was one of their—anything creative was usually coming from him. Um and then speaking of Neymar, we talked about the injury situation in a recent article that you had up. You know, Tuchel is already hinting at and, and speaking through the media that he doesn't want Neymar playing for Brazil during the international break. So, kind of take that, split it up a little bit. Um, offensively, what, what's the issue here? And then, how do you see this PSG versus Brazil situation working out?
1: Well, I'll take it in reverse and go with the PSG-Brazil situation first. I mean, there's no secret that there's bad blood between PSG and Brazil, or there has been in the past, uh, particularly when Neymar had his metatarsal injuries in his first two seasons. Uh There will always be pressure on Neymar to to play for Brazil in the same way that there's always pressure from PSG for him to play for PSG. You know, he's an important player for both club and country, uh, and and both coaches want him uh, available to them whenever he's fit and and capable of playing. I think the danger with the, the international break is not even so much him potentially playing in one or both matches it's the traveling that's involved as well uh, you know we've seen it really take a toll uh, you know just looking at psg i mean it's the same for a number of other clubs across europe but looking at the psg situation after the most recent international break uh, you know it had an almost catastrophic effect on the the psg squad you know you had tuchel complaining in the in the press conference ahead of the trip to Nîmes, and you know you, you could sympathize with his feelings uh, about the the international break because it just deprived him of so many players that he would normally be able to call upon and it was further complicated by the the situation with Herrera as well who tested positive for covid was in isolation and then you know tested negative and was a last minute addition to the squad so with regards to neymar in brazil i think it's probably as much about the travelling uh, and the potential ramifications it would have on PSG after the break uh, as it, as much as it is about the the matches themselves in terms of solving PSG's attacking uh, headaches at the moment it's very difficult to say uh, exactly what the issue is, because I think that there seems to be a general malaise at the moment uh, across many members of the squad, not just the attackers. But I do think one of the biggest problems that PSG have going forward is the lack of creativity in midfield. When Marco Verratti is not there, uh, you know, there's very little invention uh, in the middle of the park. Uh, the midfields uh, aligned by Thomas Tuchel are, are often workmanlike. Uh, you know, they, they have very little in terms of uh, creativity there. It, it's more sort of midfield enforcers. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, I think perhaps the, the short-term solution is to keep Marquinhos in midfield because as much as he prefers playing in central defence uh, and as much as I do rate him as a defender and he, you know, he is clearly a very good de- defender, he's also a very good midfielder and he is actually more creative than many of the other midfield options you know if you're putting him in a midfield that doesn't contain Marco Verratti the chances are he's just as likely, if not more likely, to be able to create a, an opportunity uh, for for one of the attackers. So I think PSG is suffering domestically at the moment from the absence of Di Maria. Uh, but I think that it's also important to have that link between the midfield and the attack. Uh, and without Verratti there, obviously you know PSG suffer as well. So for me, I would keep uh, Marquinhos there until Verratti is fit and, and firing again, uh, and then potentially look at moving him back into the defence then, you know, Pereira. I actually think he started okay uh, since his arrival. He looked uh, fairly decent in midfield, uh, but has, has also looked quite solid at the back. So, you know, he seems at this moment in time, equally versatile to, to Marquinhos. Uh, but like I said, Marquinhos seems to fit better in that midfield uh, and gives PSG more in terms of the, you know, sort of vision, uh, passing and, uh, you know, searching for the attackers. So for me, I would keep Marquinhos there uh, and... Obviously, when Di Maria comes back from his suspension, that sorts things out domestically. Uh, and I think Di Maria, in Europe as well, is is sort of paying for a lack of match practice at the moment. We're seeing a similar situation with Kozawa because Tuchel is crying out for depth at left-back after the injury to Bernat. And, you know, it leaves only backer really as the the main option uh, in that position domestically until the, the suspensions are served. So I do think that those bans incurred against Marseille really didn't help. Uh, but... Uh, you know, sort of after this coming international break, I think things will become a bit clearer for Tuchel and we'll be able to get an idea of sort of how he gauges the the, the strength and depth that's available to him after Leonardo's late dashes in the transfer window.
0: Yeah, that's probably what uh, Tuchel was crying out for when the transfer window was open some sort of a creative attacking player. Because as we've learned with Variety, he's just not that reliable, whether it's an injury or suspension. Um, he's such a key player, but he's so unavailable they always say the best ability is availability and unfortunately he's not always there on, on the biggest stage so unfortunate but I agree He, I mean he's he's vital you can clearly see that the midfield is, is missing him and I don't know if Idrisi Gay and Herrera and um, Marquinhos are, are getting it done in midfield um, you, you mentioned Tuchel a little bit there and from what I can tell if you want to use Twitter as a base for anything it, it seems like he's he's lost a lot of the fans a lot of the fans are out on him and I, I would say I'm kind of part of that i just think anytime you have mbappe and neymar and you're not scoring goals i mean mbappe hasn't scored in champions league since what last december i just think that that that's you could get sacked for that i mean that's just crazy to me so um it's well documented that leonardo would like to bring in his own manager and they've they've kind of clashed publicly so in your opinion would you say that are the players are the players fighting to keep Tuchel? Is it a money situation? Are there not that many good options at manager out there to bring in? Um, and with all that being said, do you anticipate a change at manager at some point this season?
1: I do anticipate a change. Uh, I don't know if Tuchel will be able to to last the entirety of the season. Obviously, early results this campaign count against him. To have three defeats already at this stage is uh, you know is, is is not good looking. Uh, and I I mean, I understand the frustrations when people look at the, the, the team that PSG are able to put out and say, well, you know, Mbappe and Neymar on the pitch, uh, PSG should be scoring goals for fun. But when the, the you know, the, the team doesn't click in, in the way that it doesn't when Verratti is not there, you know, it's, it's understandable that, that certain performances look disjointed. I think the most worrying thing uh, at this moment in time, uh, with regards to the Tuchel situation, is that a lot of players seem to have lost interest, and I think that comes from the dressing room. Uh, you know, and if Tuchel doesn't really have the, uh, you know, the the attention of the the players anymore, he, you know, that he doesn't have them emotionally invested in what they're doing, then. To me, it makes little sense continuing, uh, you know, with with somebody in charge uh, if that's the if that's the situation. Obviously, we know that since his arrival, uh, Tuchel does have the support of, uh, of certain individuals in the team who are very important to the way that he likes to play, uh, notably the likes of Di Maria, the likes of Neymar. But simply passing to these guys, uh, getting them the ball somewhere on the pitch, doesn't necessarily create goal-scoring chances. Uh, and I feel that Tuchel has given up on the tactical side of things now for, for quite a while uh, and is basically falling into the trap that many PSG coaches have fallen into the trap of over the last few years of having a very, very talented squad, but relying on the individualistic elements of the players as opposed to, to trying to search for the, the team chemistry. In the last really good collective performance that I can remember that came from uh, a Tuchel tactical masterclass, so to speak, was away against Manchester United in the Champions League when there were so many unavailabilities. You know, Tuchel really had to consider his tactical approach, his his strategy, uh, and PSG came away with a a very positive result. Obviously, there have been some important wins uh, along the way since then, but I feel that there's been very little of the, the... the tactical experimentation that we saw from Tuchel in his, in his debut season. Uh, and he hasn't really pushed PSG on strategically. We know uh, that Tuchel was under a lot of pressure at the end of his debut season after going out to Manchester United in the Champions League unexpectedly at home. He'd already signed the, the contract extension and the club didn't uh, announce it officially for, for another few months after that. Leonardo then returned. Uh, you know there was obviously the power struggle uh, and uh, the and the subsequent attempt to leave uh, by Neymar. He ended up staying. Uh, you know Mbappe challenged the the, the hierarchy. Uh, you know to, to give him more responsibility. Uh, and you know that resulted in PSG's last season when they managed to make it to the Champions League final. So for me that was the pinnacle of the of, of the Tuchel era, and it kind of feels like. Everything decompressed after that moment, uh, and there's been no sort of build-up uh, of, of the same sort of pressure since. And, you know, it just kind of feels like PSG playing in a series of friendlies at the moment when you watch it. I can, you know, I can sympathise with your point of view that they, they make for boring watching occasionally. I mean, you look at the the recent performance against Manchester United... In a stadium, for, for me, uh, where there were no supporters, that was my experience of the match. It was a very empty uh, experience. It wasn't a particularly good showing from either side. United obviously winning it by the one goal on the night. But it is very uninspiring uh, at the moment watching some of these PSG performances. And it does feel like maybe the current squad have come as far as they can under Tuchel. And you know Leonardo is waiting for for an opportunity to, you know, really make an inquest into PSG's form and potentially uh, raise the sword uh, and and end Tuchel's time as coach. I mean, the the thing that counts in Tuchel's favour at the moment is he still has uh, a few months of a very lucrative contract left, so it will cost PSG a lot at a time when, you know, money is, uh, you know, quite scarce because of the the COVID crisis. Uh, And obviously that's a consideration for PSG. You know, if they were to change coach, uh, sometime in the next couple of months, you could almost guarantee that there will be no incoming transfers for that new coach, at least up until the, the following summer. So it would be very difficult to persuade a new candidate to join PSG uh, and be able to do what they wanted to do with the squad in, in the current climate. So you know, I think that's definitely one consideration. Uh, but, you know, the, there's obviously a bit of frustration on, uh, on Leonardo's part as well. Uh, You know, there's a lot of stuff that I think he's probably been forced into doing because of the circumstances. Uh, You know, I'm sure PSG would have have rather handled the the situation with Cavani and Silva differently and, you know, being able to keep guys like that on board for a bit longer. But because of the the situation brought on by uh, the COVID crisis, which just worsens and worsens at the moment, uh, you know, there was no way that PSG could economically afford to keep guys like that on board, and you know, potentially, uh, you know, re- rejuvenate the squad. So it's it's a complicated time for PSG, like it's a complicated time for many big European clubs. Uh, you know, and I think that is probably the main consideration uh, that that goes into whether or not to to separate with Tuchel now after a very disappointing start to the season
0: yeah listening to everything you just said there then you try to think of a a name out there that would be okay with okay no money to buy any players and you know every all the other restrictions and it it only leads you to one name tiago mata i think you could get him in reasonable cost he's the innovative manager we saw him with the the youth squad so he would maybe be able to mold this team do something different with the players already there tactically is he the the manager out there that would make the most sense we saw you know Lampard at Chelsea is, seems to be working out okay. Um, is, is that a, a manager that you would back, you, that would make you, you know, excited about the, the future of this team?
1: I mean, obviously it would be exciting. Uh, it would be a very curious experiment for PSG to, to go with. I mean, I think that was the hope, or has been the hope, uh, for, for the Qatari ownership for a long time, to have sort of a homegrown coach, sort of a you know, PSG's own version of Pep Guardiola, so to speak. Uh, and and Thiago Motta was always going to be one of the leading candidates uh, to become that figure, I and mean, he you know is such he was such a brainy footballer, uh, you know is is a is still a great football thinker. Unfortunately, got a bit burned uh, by his first managerial uh, opportunity at senior level with Genoa, and I think that would count against him significantly. Um, but, uh, you know, like you said, he, he would be the, the low-cost option. He knows the club, he knows some of the players. Uh, and, you know, he, he really cares uh, about this PSG project. So it could be that, the, you know, that he would be the right man at the right time. The only other options, I think, uh, are Allegro, who's currently on the market uh, and is a big favourite of Leonardo's. Uh, and Mauricio Pochettino, who's obviously a former PSG player, he, he'd be the popular choice, I think, if you ask the fan base, because of his uh, links with the club. And, and the he's fact used to that he's not choking, having any money
0: to spend at Tottenham.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could we could we could argue that. Uh, but I think as well the fact that he said in the past that he would love to coach PSG one day, uh, that really counts in his favour. But it's a, you know, it's a tricky situation. You know, is is Pochettino somebody that Leonardo particularly wants to, to work with? Uh, you know, and it's also a question of whether, uh, you know, the the, the leadership and, and Leonardo have the the same guy in mind to to lead this PSG side on to rejuvenate them without making any major transfer changes.
0: Yeah, one name I think we won't see is Thierry Henry. I don't know if you've seen the video of him, <laughs> uh, coaching. I guess the Montreal impact or whatever they're called. And he's just, just berating the players out there. And I think that would go over for a week before Neymar would have them shipped out the front door.
1: So, I mean, I think uh, unfortunately, Henri seems to fail to learn his lessons. Um, Each managerial job he gets, it it was a big issue uh, between him and the Monaco players. Uh, He he doesn't seem to have been able to let go uh, of Henri, the player, uh, and, you know, he still has those feelings. Uh, and, you know, I think he needs to, to wake up and realise that you can't treat your players like, uh, like he used to treat teammates. So, uh, and I you know, I found it quite interesting as well that Arsene Wenger, talking about him recently, seemed to allude to that as well, that he needs to embrace, you know, what it means to be a manager. And that means disconnecting with the, the player side of things and perhaps Henri didn't wait long enough uh, before jumping into that so you know that's that's something that I definitely uh, don't disagree with um you know we'll see what happens with Henri in the in, in the coming years but for sure I don't expect to see him anywhere near the Parkour class uh, hot seat anytime soon
0: all right so let, let's assume they give you the job and let's assume second half of the season you've got all of your players are healthy I know that's a uh, something's unlikely at this point, but let's just assume that. So but
1: it's it's normally a one time per season miracle, right? Yeah, we did see it briefly
0: at the same time. <laughs> we did see it briefly there. So what what is PSG's best starting eleven? What's the best formation? Um, Icardi or Keane? I think that's a question a lot of people are asking right now. You mentioned earlier that you know Pereira is doing okay at center back. Would you leave him there and leave Marquinhos in the midfield? And a lot of people are calling for Rafinha. Do you think he deserves a, a place in the starting lineup? So. You want to run down your, your best PSG starting 11?
1: I mean, I, I don't think we've seen enough from Rafinha yet to know whether he's starting 11 potential. I know there's a lot of people out there who rate him very highly from his time with Barcelona and feel like he didn't get a fair enough crack of the whip uh, there. We'll just have to wait and see if that materialises with PSG. On paper, it looks like a a smart gamble from Leonardo in terms of, you know, no big transfer outlay, uh, you know, potentially big upside if uh, if he does come good. But... For the moment, I I haven't seen enough from him to to suggest that he's going to break into any potential strongest starting eleven. I mean, obviously, um, PSG are blessed with one of the best goalkeepers in the game, Keiro Navas. So there's no debate that that he would start between the sticks. I've been pleasantly surprised by Florenzi since his arrival. I think he's uh, been a very good addition at right back. And it it feels a bit like the, the capture of Bernat a couple of years ago with him. Uh, OK, we, you know, we will probably discover his ceiling at some point in uh, along the way this season. But if he still feels like an upgrade uh, in that position based on what PSG have had over the last couple of years, certainly uh, more of a positive figure than Tom Amunier was uh, towards the end of his time in Paris. Defensively, uh, despite the fact that i am a big fan of him in the i would have marquinhos uh, alongside uh, kim pembe and i think kim pembe is probably one of the big positives uh, this start of the season he seems to have matured a lot uh, he's performing far more consistently than he has probably at any point since the 2018 world cup victory seems to have finally embraced the fact that he is one of the senior figures in this this psg squad one of the guys who's been around the club the longest uh, and uh, you know, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him so
0: if far. I, if I had to mold the perfect PSG player, just being able to perform on the pitch, and attitude, and love for the club—I mean, Kempembe would be pretty close to it as an ideal PSG player.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, I think he—you know—he knows how important the shirt should be to to, to the players, and is a is a good guy for the for the academy graduates to to look to in terms of trying to break into the senior setup. Um, in terms of the left back situation, um, I like what I've seen from Bakker so far. Um, I'd probably be undecided about starting him or Kazawa, because in the absence of Bernat, uh, for me, there's no real obvious starting left back option. Uh, we know what Kizawa can do going forward on his day. There's just, you know, those days are few and far between, unfortunately. So I, th- I think Bakker looks promising for the future. So I'd-, I'd say one or the other, but I'd probably. Uh, side with, uh, with Backer. Uh, you know, I think that he is going to develop into, into a better player and he's already showing you know a good amount of, uh, of, of ability for somebody with such little senior experience before this injury crisis thrust him into the limelight so I'm, I'm happy with what he's shown so far in the midfield uh, I would probably go with sort of a fixed two in the middle uh, Verratti being one and Paredes being the other. And then that way you can accommodate four attacking talents. You know, obviously Neymar uh, and Mbappe are in there. Uh, and Di Maria being the third of the four. And it's, it's tough. It's tough to choose between Icardi and Keane for that final spot at the moment. Keane started so well, uh, and we haven't seen clinical finishing from Icardi for quite a long time now. If this was the Akadi that, that first started out at PSG uh, on loan, then I would have no hesitation in saying that it should be him in that starting lineup. But it's kind of keen in the in that situation now. Who's showing well since arriving on loan? We'll see if uh, you know it turns into a, into a permanent deal. Uh, I don't have any information at this time that there's a buyout option for PSG. So you know we'll just have to wait and see on that front. But. It is concerning um, Icardi's recent injury uh, and the fact that he, you know, hasn't sort of looked in his best form and shape, you know, for the best part of a year now. because It's more than six months. Uh, you know, he was looking pretty sloppy uh, at the start of this year. Obviously, we had the, the lockdown, barely featured in the the Champions League uh, in Lisbon.
0: He didn't play uh, at all it, against uh, Dortmund, I believe, right? No, I mean, it was Cavani in the, uh, in,
1: in the second leg, and that was Cavani's last out in a part the class. So, you know, at this moment in time, Icardi looks like a costly mistake uh, based on everything that's happened with the, the COVID crisis since. I mean, who was to know that, you know, the situation would get as, as bad as it is at this moment in time? But the warning signs were still there uh, before Leonardo signed off on that deal. That uh, Icardi, you know, was not showing his best form. was was struggling to find the back of the net, and that hasn't resolved itself. So, you know, I do think that Leonardo does have, uh, you know, some serious questions to ask. That being uh, sorry, some serious questions to answer. That being one of the main ones because PSG are in a difficult financial situation at the moment. Yet they still spent the best part of 70 million euros on a guy who doesn't always feature under the current coach, uh, and when he does play, doesn't always score. So it's it, you know it is a it's a very problematic scenario right now, and I guess that also plays into part of the the thinking from the likes of Leonardo, the likes of the hierarchy, uh, when considering Tuchel's position, would a different coach be able to get more out of the current crop of players? You know, And looking at individual cases, is there a case to suggest that someone like Pochettino or Allegri or motta uh, as we've discussed, could get more uh, out of the Icardi than Tuchel does at present?
0: No, the, the, all great points. And I also wonder if maybe Tiago Motta we talked about him, if he came in, if we would see some of the youngsters get more playing time, especially against maybe lower-level league-on players. Um, it just seems like Tuchel... I guess we saw it with Kawasi. He did give him a chance in Al but there's still a lot of young talent on this team. And I know I'm not alone in saying I'd like to see a lot more of those players get an opportunity, especially if the more senior players are kind of lethargic and just going through the motions. You know, let's put out Ruiz or something like that and, and see what he's got, you know? Um, just makes you wonder if Tugel's missing an opportunity there. Um, I do appreciate you talking about Keane and his contract situation because that's something a lot of people I'm seeing on social media where you're seeing conflicting reports where it's just a straight loan deal or maybe there's like a little nugget of a transfer fee that maybe PSG could pay. So according to you, there's really nothing in the contract. So if PSG want to keep him, they're going to have to probably pay Everton close to what they paid for Cardi, wouldn't you imagine?
1: Well, I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, okay. Yeah, the based on based on based on what PSG said in the, the official communiqué, uh, there's no buyout clause. Uh, from my understanding, Everton are saying that there's also no option to buy for PSG at the moment. But you know, I know a number of people who are working to to verify exactly what the situation is like there, whether there could be a clause that comes into play at some point where when a certain number of matches are played. Uh, you know, it's all very up in the air. Uh, It's you know, it's just good to see um, such a talent like Keane rediscovering himself after a disappointing spell with Everton. And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not sure that it's something that he would be able to translate back into the Premier League at some point. So I'm not sure how much value he would have to to Everton moving forward. You know, if Ancelotti didn't see anything from him uh, since his time in charge of Everton, I don't think that's going to have changed just because he started to find a bit of form. Uh, with PSG, uh, you know, I think it's the fact that uh, Ancelotti, you know, doesn't plan with him moving forward. So whether or not uh, Keane's future lies in Paris beyond the, this season, uh, you know, that that's up for debate. But it doesn't seem uh, likely that he's going to be going back to Goodison Park at the end of uh, the campaign.
0: Maybe Leonardo could just call his call his old friend Ancelotti and like give us a good price. You know, COVID things are <laughs> tough around here. You know. Give well, us a I discount on Keane.
1: I, I think based on uh, what Ancelotti wrote about Leonardo in his uh, in his book, uh, there won't be any of those friendly phone calls anytime soon.
0: Very fair point, fair point. All right, let's get you out of here on this one. So there's been some reporting, take it with a grain of salt, about the current contract negotiations with Mbappe and Neymar. Um, is there anything credible that you're hearing on either end where PSG are trying to Sign them for, you know, an extension of maybe a couple of years. Um, and if you haven't heard anything, how do you see this situation playing out with COVID and the team not playing great, the, the manager on the hot seat? How do you see this whole situation with these two players playing out?
1: Uh, my information at this moment in time is that PSG do want to extend both Mbappe and Neymar. The problem is the, the you know the current situation. It's uh, you know it, it's catch twenty two really. Until uh, COVID disappears and becomes less of a financial burden for all big clubs, not just PSG, uh, it's going to be very difficult for, for PSG to commit that sort of money, uh, you know, to the to the kind of contracts that will tie Mbappe and Neymar to to PSG for the foreseeable future. Uh, in an ideal world, uh, you know, I think after a run to the Champions League final, everyone would have been on cloud nine uh, and PSG would have tied both players to extended contracts back then. I think everyone was feeling good about the PSG project, uh, despite the the defeat to Bayern, there was progress made, uh, you know, it was tangible progress as well. And, you know, that for me was the moment to strike uh, with, with a guy like uh, Mbappe in particular. Uh, and now the new season has started, it was always going to be a very difficult uh, start to the season considering the short turnaround time. Uh, Mbappe was talking to the official uh, club website this week about just how tough this has been in terms of you know, stopping one season after the Champions League run and then starting a new one. Uh, and I completely understand that. But unfortunately, because of that impact uh, on PSG's start to the season, it's now put everyone in this funk where there, is, there seems to be very little positivity surrounding PSG right now. I mean, there's there's not that much positivity surrounding football full stop right now, and that's understandable given the, the current circumstances, particularly in France, where you've not just got the, the COVID crisis, you've got a lot of political tension as well. Uh, you know, things just don't feel good uh, in France generally uh, at this moment in time. There, there's you know a lack of of positivity. There's no sort of Atalanta story for, for French football right now. You know, Rennes being in the Champions League is probably the closest to that. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's it, it's difficult to say how this one's going to go because obviously PSG still have uh, both Neymar and Mbappe until the end of next season uh, if they were to run down their current contracts. But that's not a good situation for PSG to be going into next campaign with, if you know they think they're going to lose one or both of them uh, on free transfers. However, the longer this uh, this current crisis goes on, the the less likely you know any other club in uh, in the game is going to be to come in and pay the sort of money that the PSG would need to be put on the table, you know, to even consider parting with one of them. So it's, uh, it's a very complicated situation at the moment. Uh, and to be perfectly honest, I think it must be complicated for the players as well, considering their futures, because, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, Neymar can, can look at Barcelona and, and say, well, you know, they'll, they'll stump up the cash and inside because Barcelona were having financial issues before all of this came along. Uh, you know, so now with the the current mess they find themselves in, you know, completely leaderless with a new coach who might find himself outside out of a job in uh, the next couple of months, uh, you know it's very, very unclear there, and I think that closes the only real door for Neymar out of uh, public class at the moment. And you know the two names that keep cropping up with mbappe, Real Madrid, and Liverpool. I can't see either of them being able to pay in excess of two hundred million euros. Uh, which is you know what PSg you know would be entitled to ask for based on current valuations it's uh, you know it, it's, it's a everybody is in limbo uh, in this situation at the moment so there's no obvious answer as to you know what is happening what could change uh, you know and I think it, it um, unfortunately for PSg uh, it, it just needs to time running down uh, and obviously PSG are the big losers in that because they're sort of into the final two seasons of uh, both of these important contracts and they don't have that much wiggle room. So the only other possible scenario is that PSG have to choose one of the two. I'm not saying that they are in that situation already. I'm just saying it's it's possible that the longer this goes on, the, the more they might have to start considering that uh, avenue or somebody else of, of high value in the squad comes into form uh, and becomes an attractive proposition for another club somewhere in Europe. But, you know, it brings me back to what I was saying about Icardi earlier. When you think about the money that PSG spent on Icardi transfer-wise, uh, and you just wonder how that might have been spent a bit more wisely uh, in this current uh, situation.
0: Absolutely. It does make you wonder if PSG have to keep the two players till the end of their contract and eventually let them leave on a free Maybe if they win the Champions League, you can kind of stomach losing them on a free if you if you have the trophy at the end. So that might be part of their thinking as well. But to your point, there's not a whole lot of teams that can afford them. It's not just the transfer fee, but then also their wages. And so they may look around and say, you know, they're good friends. They enjoy playing with each other. Paris isn't the worst place to live in the world. You're pretty much guaranteed Champions League football every season. Why not? Why not just stick it out, sign a contract, even if it's not for as much money as you want? Um, and then maybe a two-year deal, and Mbappe is young enough; he'll get another mega deal maybe when the COVID is, is situation is resolved. But yeah, I, hopefully they can stick around. I really enjoy having both of them; they're they're great to watch. And um, so hopefully something can be worked out. And there's always time to go to Real Madrid, I think, right? I mean, that I guess is probably the
1: other compromise that uh, you know contracts extensions are signed; they're just not as long as maybe PSG would have hoped, uh, you know, but they're short enough as well to be appealing uh, to the likes of Mbappe, who seems to be in a bit too much of a hurry uh, at times at, at this stage in his career, for in my opinion.
0: Yeah, very, very impatient. And real quick, is the situation, the money situation, is that the, that Qatar QSI doesn't have the money, or are they trying to stay within the financial fair play boundaries? Because you know, it's hard to believe Qatar doesn't have the money to, to fire Tuchel and bring someone in and, and pay them an extension. Are they trying to be more of a self-sustaining club?
1: I mean, that's definitely been the goal for, for PSG since financial fair play came into being. And the sponsorship deal with Nike and with uh, Accor Hotels uh, you know, is, is something that was a big step towards you know, that goal. You know, PSG are more financially sustainable since signing those two sponsorship deals. But the thing is, with, with COVID, it's not just hitting PSG in the pocket because of uh, the inability to put fans in the stadium and the, the ability to sell merchandise on a match day. It's also the impact that it's having on the sponsors. I mean, Accor's uh, president, uh, Sébastien Bazan was speaking recently and saying that the strongest market for them, you know, despite the fact that they're a global uh, hotel chain, is actually Asia at this moment in time. So they're, you know, they're making big losses, uh, you know, and obviously with uh, Neymar changing from Nike to, to Puma, there's a there's a little bit of tension there as well. So it's not just a, a question of whether you know Qatar has the money to to, to fire somebody like Tuchel. It's you know keeping it all in the books in terms of financial fair play. Uh, and at this moment in time, there's very little money coming into uh, PSG that can then go out and, and be spent on either transfers or you know a, a severance package for somebody like tuple so it's a question of you know being smart in terms of managing the, the, the money um, and it's yeah it's it's not an easy time for, for anybody in this in this current uh, climate um, you know the PSG have the, these deals that uh, the, these companies are, are tied to. Uh, and obviously, it doesn't help anyone. There's the, the additional mess with uh, Media Pro as well. So, it's a very uncertain time financially for, for everybody. And, you know, the, the day that PSG can have a, a full capacity part to class uh, you know, will be, uh,
0: there will be a big sigh of relief uh, here in Paris. Feels like we're a long way away from that, but um, fascinating stuff. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. And again, let people know how they can find you on Twitter and uh, mention the other podcasts that you're on um, as well for people to check out.
1: Yeah, well, I'm in the same place I've always been on Twitter. So that's at J-O-N underscore Legosip. And uh, you can find all of my CBS sports uh, articles and videos through that uh, or through the official CBS um, channels. Uh, and the podcast is Lesso, uh which is, uh, you know, pretty much every day during the week, Monday to Friday. Uh, so you can get all of your European football content there. And like I said, we chat PSG regularly. So uh, hopefully uh, some guys who are, are not uh, already aware of it uh, will, will subscribe and, uh, and enjoy the content.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks again. We'll check that out. and. Um... We'll see. Maybe towards the end of the group stage, we'll see where PSG stand, and we'll have to get together for another chat. But thank you again. This has been great, and we'll uh, catch you next time.
1: Sounds good. Take okay. care. Speak Bye. soon.